Misread is a book podcast where we review books, discuss topics, and provide social commentary on what's happening today. Welcome back to another episode of Misread. My name is Cassie. I am Jolene. And this is our final episode. Tears. It's over already. <laughs> <laughs> what a season we've had. What a season. Eight eight episodes. Eight, eight episodes episode in. Season. A special guest. A lot of reviewing old, new, all sorts of books. Discussions. Interacting with you guys. Which we really appreciate. All the reviews, all the DMs, all the support. The feedback yeah, was amazing. Amazing. We really appreciate that. Some of them even sent us book suggestions Yep, that we're definitely going to take into consideration for the next season. We've even got authors sending us their books, Yes, which which is really exciting because books can be expensive. So. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> that too. That part. That too. <laughs> but we have even more things to talk about for the next season and I can't wait to get into it. Yeah. But before we get to that, we're going to celebrate the end of this season, the, our first season, and um, we're going to recap it. Yeah. Let's do a little a little recap, make it a little bit more personal, mm-hmm. highlight some of the things that we want to talk about or elaborate on, and yeah. I think it'll be fun. So we want to go over some of our past episodes, and because obviously we are, we can't talk, we, we could talk about books for hours but we cannot and uh, (laughs) so we kind of want to go over some of the books we talked about or some of the articles we discussed and add our final opinions or our personal thoughts on them and um, go from there well one of the first things I want to do is um, we have no problem correcting ourselves if we've done something wrong you know again we have great listeners that you know, if, if we got something wrong or they're not quite sure, they'll definitely let us know. They'll check us. <laughs> and I appreciate that. So the first thing I want to do is I do want to correct a statement that was made when we were reading the article um, by Janot Diaz. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the New York Times article where he was talking about his molestation um, and, you know, what he was what he was going through. And I had mentioned that he had a mentor, a mentee. He was a mentor to a mentee. And that there was a bit of, you know, sexual harassment um, discrepancies there. So I want to correct myself by saying uh, he was not her mentor. Um, And the exact quote and the the lady who we were referring to, her name is uh, Zinzi Clemens. Um, And her exact quote was, as a grad student, I invited Janat Diaz to speak to a workshop on issues of representation in literature. I was... I was an unknown wide-eyed 20-year-old, and he used it as an opportunity to corner and forcibly kiss me. I'm far from the only one he's done this to. I refuse to be silent anymore. Right. Um, so I did just want to correct myself with it. I think I had said that it was her, his, her mentor. It wasn't. Um, and just to really be candid about exactly what it took place or what she had tweeted and what the conversation was about. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, sure if you're the one who said it or I am, but... Regardless, yeah. I stand behind this as well. We want to, we do our research and we want to make sure that our opinions are educated. Yeah. But uh, sometimes things fall through the cracks and uh, this one, this one did. So we wanted to be transparent and clarify exactly. our statements. Yeah. And that actually brings me to a recap question that I have for you, Cass, mm-hmm. which I'll, I'll also answer. So I won't leave you, won't leave you in the dust. But uh, 
I, I guess a question that I have, and you know what? This is actually isn't even just for us. It's for even our listeners. You guys, send us, like, when we're asking questions, please send us emails, send us DMs about the topics, about the questions. We want to hear what you guys think as well. And the question that I have is, you know, Janat Diaz, his story, um, the article in New York Times was so powerful about masculinity and men experiencing, you know, sexual, you know... Abuse. Abuse. And... I think that story is necessary. But what I want to know is, can we, can we tell his story that is necessary without supporting him? And how do we balance the two? Like, if, if we're agreeing that his story is a necessary story mm-hmm. to put out there, mm-hmm. how do we, you know, go about putting that out there but not supporting him if he himself is... The uh, you know the aggressor in situations he's he's the one providing the sexual abuse right. to somebody else right right mm. touchy question it is a touchy question but I will say there's a nuance um, the article he wrote for the New Yorker he's speaking from he's speaking about his childhood he's speaking about his personal life and him speaking out on that issue helps millions of other people who have gone through that issue in the article he mentions that uh, he was doing a book tour and someone came up to him and they said in that book in this book that person they went through sexual abuse and he froze and he denied it he was like no or he changed the subject very quickly he didn't want to address the situation so it goes to say that that story, that trauma, many others have gone through it, and it's important to talk about it because it opens doors. I'm sure that article healed a bunch of other people who felt me felt like they've silenced themselves for many years because out of shame, out of fear, and whatnot, and them reading him coming out that way, maybe it gave them strength. So I will support that. Yeah. I support him speaking his truth in that matter um i think when it comes to moving forward the question that's raised is can we separate the art from the artist yeah yeah and because i'm gonna be frank juno diaz wrote one of my favorite books in the whole wide world which is uh the brief history of oscar wall wow and uh I will never depart myself from that book. (laughs) I have recommended it to other people. They've read it and we've discussed it at length. It is a beautiful book. It's an amazing book. However, I read it before all the allegations came. So personally, Juno Diaz apart, I have a very hard time separating art from the artist, especially in the music industry. Once I know you've done wrong, if I know you beat women, you've harasser you've been you have been an abuser i will no longer support you that's i'm very strict about that um but when it's something so personal as a book i have a harder time but i have to be true and i have to be honest and it is it is a question that i struggle with i do struggle with it and um i had i have i've had to ask myself well will you continue to support him moving forward and i'm still in shambles, to be quite honest with you. But um, if I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit, I'll say, I'll even ask you, are you guilty until proven innocent or are you innocent until proven guilty? Because 
these are allegations? Or do you wait for the for them to be for the judge to be like, yeah, you yeah. you've you've committed those crimes and that's it. We've looked at evidence, and we did we've done we've we did our investigation, and we have proof that you are you are a, se- a sexual harasser. You should you have to pay for the crimes that you've committed against right. other human beings. Or do you stop at well? These are the allegations, and we take it for truth because a lot of he was stripped from awards. He was uninvited to important events in the literary world world because they they took it as facts, you know. And it's not. I'm not saying that to take away from another any other woman who has as accused him. I'm not taking anything away from the truth. My question is: is um, do we wait? Do we wait to see once the investigation is done to decide? Or as soon as the allegation is brought up, we take it as face value that it is the truth? Well, I think that naturally as a society, especially with social media, even outside of this, we we tend to be judge, jury, and executionists. Like, that's that's just how, how we are. Whether or not it's good or bad, it's, it's usually not good, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but naturally, that's kind of what people do. I think that in this situation, you do have to be careful, you know, as a woman, like he does, he does talk about how he, how he treats women in, in his work. And in that article, he's very transparent about that. Not to say that because a man would be honest about, you know, adultery and all that kind of stuff. It means that he would sexually harass somebody Mm -hmm. or abuse somebody. I'm not saying that. Um, as for do you wait or you know what not i think it's fragile very i think it's really really fragile because you also you know you also don't want to be in a situation where you don't want to take someone's pain seriously mm-hmm. um you know what you know you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i just feel like there's a bit of that fine line so yeah. because of that reason i do feel like there's a way to separate there's the message from the messenger Okay. Sometimes, sometimes, like, a good message is a good message regardless. Okay. His story about him being abused sexually is necessary, and it's it's good. It's a good thing that he's coming out with. You yes. know, bad people can do good things, just like mm-hmm. good people can do bad things. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel as though um, that article should be, you know, put it, pushed under a rug or dismissed because the message in itself, ha- you know, it's not even just about him. It's about people that have experienced men that I want to be explicit in saying that it's about men that have experienced that. And often this story isn't told. So I think, you know, for instance, if if I'm a killer Mm -hmm. and I tell you not to kill the message of me telling you not to kill is still good. Right. I'm a hypocrite. Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is true. Yeah. But the message is still the message and I, I think that's what that's what it would be so going forward in terms of his different works and things like that I, I'm not quite sure but if we're talking about that particular article in New York Times it needs to be it, it it's it's so it's necessary I don't know, it's, uh, yeah like yeah. I say the word a million times but it really is necessary because you don't see men especially Caribbean men talking about sexual abuse yeah. from another man mm-hmm. so but are you able to separate the art from the artist in general? In general, I think it depends. Not 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 always, not all the time. Okay. I kind of yeah, no, not not all the time. It it does de- it does depend. It depends but on the situation. It does depend on the situation. Okay. Like I can't I'm not black and white with it. Okay. 
I don't know, maybe that makes me a little shaky in some sense, but if I'm being honest, I don't know if I do that all the time, and okay. I, I don't know if I should or shouldn't, or if the way I, I, you know, process things, it's just the way I process things. Like, it, it each scenario is going to be different to me. But I think it's important what you said where you said the message is still important. It's yeah. just maybe the messenger yeah. can be a hypocrite or yeah. can be, he has his, he's, he deals with his own shortcomings. But, so some people are able to do that. Some people mm -hmm. are able to separate their art from the artist and so they can continue to enjoy the creations of the person, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't go out and have a drink with that person because right. as a human being, they don't respect them. Exactly, but they, but they 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 relate to their work. I think that's how that's how I feel about that. Yeah. I know even in that same article, he talks a lot about wearing masks. So a question would be: Is there a time where you've done that, or do you kind of feel like you do that now? Wearing a mask. I think we've all at some point in our lives wore a mask. Um, I think when I think about that, growing up, I used to put up the very tough girl attitude, like yeah. nothing phases me. I'm strong and. I'm hard and it sucks. <laughs> I dropped that mask as soon as I realized that there's there's no winning in this. There's no like like I'm not. I'm a cancer. I'm a softie, okay? I'm a I'm a burnt marshmallow from the inside. I I'm super sensitive. I don't necessarily cry for no reason, but I, yes, I am strong, but I, I don't want to appear as I can, as a person that can handle all things. Mm -hmm. I have, I am strong. I can stand on my ground. I am on my own. I'm independent, but I wear my heart on my sleeve, and there's no shame in that. There's no, no. shame in being sensitive. There's no shame in being vulnerable. But when I was growing up, I used to think that being vulnerable was a, uh, was a, a weakness. A weakness. Yeah. But as I grew older, I understood that no, actually, my pa my power stands in my vulnerability. So I learned to embrace that. Yeah, I think I think masks is just another word for defense mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So you know. You you gain masks uh, as you go through life and as you experience things and as situations happen to you or you do things to other people, you tend to wear masks. I think that we all have multiple layers to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I even on a real shallow level, like when you walk into one room, how you're going to be, and then when you walk into another room, you know, it's a completely different way. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're wearing a mask. I think there's just different aspects to who you are as a person. There's time and place yeah, for certain behaviors. For certain behaviors yeah. or, you know. Um, but I would definitely say, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, love has been something that has induced me wearing a mask sometimes with how I appear to, you know, people or just kind of being hardened a little bit. But mm -hmm. I, I try very hard not to let my past experiences mm -hmm. influence how I treat other people. Um, but it, within that, I may not treat other people different, but I'm definitely going to portray myself, you know what I mean? Like a little bit harder or a little bit harder to reach, less accessible, just because you want to now kind of control who you let into you. Right. Okay. And I, I think, I think people do that a lot. So mm -hmm. there's, there's a bit of that mask. You almost don't want to really let people in. Mm -hmm. Um, I always kind of, how I grew up was for some reason, people were always drawn to talking to me. Mm -hmm. Always. I could be at a bus stop and within five minutes someone's telling me their life story. 
Right. So I've always had this. Are you an empath? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. And yeah, I've always had this thing where people are drawn to me, telling me their life stories. So I always felt like I had to be the strong person for other people. So it made it really hard for you know me to see someone in my life who would always come to me as that you know shoulder to cry on, as that mama figure or whatever it is. Right. It always made it hard for me to then be vulnerable with them. Yeah. Because it changed the dynamic of the relationship. So I would say in, in some friendships and things like that that I've had, I have worn masks. Because okay. it's like, you know, I've, I've got to protect you. I've got to take care of you. If you're crying to me about what you're going through, how, I, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you're how the can mama I, bear. Yeah, like I can't cry to you. Like, there was, and that's not always true. That's not always true. And I think as I got older, I started to become more vulnerable with my friends. Mm-hmm. And... As soon as I let those floodgates open, it was like, they were like, girl, we didn't know you had that in you. Like, you need to stop calling my phone at 4 a.m. bawling your eyes out. I was like, listen. <laughs> it didn't stop. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Girl, this is what you've been. I'm like, okay, so let me start. When we were 12, I never told you this. but And they're like, wow. I can't oh sleep through one night without her texting me. So, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've worn masks, but I'm learning to be more transparent and if I look stupid or if I look weak or if I look silly it's all a part of Joe and I just have to love her yeah and her her insane volatile ways I think we grow out of a lot of our these are misconceptions that we have and as we grow older and we mature yeah we understand that like you said it's part of us it's part we're multifaceted human beings so I can be I can call you at four o'clock in the morning because I don't know. I read a book and it's so it moved me to my to tears and I have to talk about it. Or it could be something silly or something more important, but it doesn't take away that you're still a funny person. Yeah. you're accomplished. You're exactly. intelligent and all these different parts of you. Yeah. As we grow older, it's older. It's easier for us to accept all parts of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to the coldest winter ever. Which was one of the episodes we probably got one of the, some of the most reviews about. Mm-hmm. People really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I can see why it's a classic. Yeah. And even the average person that probably doesn't read books now is has read The Coldest Winter Ever. Mm-hmm. So it was relatable. So I'm glad you guys like that. Thank you for that feedback. And we'll, we'll try and touch on um, more, what would you call them, uh, Classics? Yeah, classics. Like They say like cult something. I forgot what the phrase is. But anyways, we'll mm-hmm. try and touch on more of those because we know that a lot of you guys can relate to books like that. Yeah. So, remember my favorite character, Winter. <laughs> <laughs> you say that with so much disdain. <laughs> Y'all know, I was, I was vocal about me. I was just like, what kind of person is this? But regardless of her ways, and how she acted and the way she thought. Are there characteristics about her that you could relate to? For sure. For sure. Like what? Okay, so I'll say this. Winter has this ability to... She's survival of the fittest right. in, her, in her mind, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's survive, like, that's just it. Like, let's go. And her decisions weren't always smart, her decisions weren't smart um and they weren't they weren't even for her own best interest like you know etc etc i can relate 
to being so driven about something, so driven about your livelihood, a passion, that sometimes you make decisions that are not calculated and don't make a lot of sense. So I'll be a little bit more specific. So um, about two years ago, yeah, but it's been about a year and a half, almost two years. I, you know, gave up uh, the job that I was at and, you know, that ended. And I went back to school and I did some project management, et cetera, et cetera. And then I decided to get into the entertainment world. So, you know, I'm a Leo. So there's that lion in me. There's a kitten inside too, but there's a lion. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. I am not doing this thing anymore. I'm going to pursue my dreams, whatever it is I think they are at this moment. And I'm going to go, 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 go. Because this is how you do it. You have, you have to show people you're driven and did it. And I was just like, I was, I was just a shark. Like, and I was just like everywhere and I was traveling or I'm, I do travel, but I was like traveling like probably four times a month and you know, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of opportunities were coming to me and I was like, see, look at this. Like it's, I'm gaining, I'm gaining, I'm gaining. And then I had a mentor of mine have a conversation with me, and he's, like, a veteran. Like, he's he's much older, and he's, like, a veteran. He's been in the industry for quite some time. And he made a comment that was, like, it stuck with me. I was in Atlanta, and him and I were having lunch. And he said, you know, you're so driven, and you have so much passion. My concern is that you're making steps, but are they calculated? Not all opportunities are good opportunities, and right. not all money is good money. And not everyone that says yes is a person that you want to answer that yes to right. like you or or you want to respond back to mm-hmm. and i really had to think i was like yeah but like you know you gotta like that's how that's how it is like you know you're an entrepreneur like you're out there you've got to do and he was like no because when you believe in yourself and you have true confidence which is the problem that i had with winter is that there's this sense of false confidence. She thinks she's confident because she thinks she's this man-eater. But you're really not. You're yeah. really insecure. Mm-hmm. And what he was explaining to me is when you actually have that true self-confidence and you truly believe in yourself and you truly believe that you're going to get to where it is that God is meant for you to go, the right opportunities will literally come to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course you're driven. Of course you're going to be ambitious. Of course you're going to you know, inconvenience yourself to take that extra step undeniable Mm -hmm. but God is going to line up the right things at the right time and the right people are noticing you sometimes they're just waiting for you to stop Mm -hmm. so that they can approach or have a conversation with you and they're watching how you move and that was something that really stuck with me when he said that and it and I was able to say no to to huge people that I thought oh my god if that person wanted me to work with them I would have been and I was able to say no that doesn't make sense for me or no I'm uncomfortable in this situation so where I would say I relate with winter is the idea that sometimes you want what you want so bad mm-hmm. that the steps that you make are not always beneficial to yourself, even though in your head you're thinking, well, I'm doing what I got to do to get there. Right. So that's that's what I would say. That's good. Yeah. Basically, your ambition sometimes can make you lose sight of 100%. what's really important. Yeah, 100%. And just, try, and just this whole idea of you know, even if you still have your morals, you still have all those things in place, it's just this idea that you're you're almost not even focused. Because mm-hmm. it's like every little, yes, you're jumping, you're jumping, you're, you're mo- running around. You're running around, and it's like, that's not focused. Yeah. I think a lot of people get that, they misunderstand that. You yeah. see a lot of people, and you're, oh, they must be so successful, they're doing all this, they're confused. Yeah. 
You actually have to <laughs> sit down and center yourself and yeah. really understand what it is, what's your purpose, and what you're really trying to accomplish. Exactly. And then align Make whatever opportunities. Steps. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, this shiny thing. Ooh, that shiny thing. Right. Ooh, that's another shiny thing. <laughs> and it's like, your people outside are like, wow, look at all those opportunities that person getting. They're really doing this. And it's like, no, they're, they're, it's just shallow relationships. Right. It's shallow connections. Right. There's no depth in it. So that's what I would say. I related to, I don't know if I related. I (laughs) you hate it. You related to her. Oh my god. It's okay. You know what? One thing I won't. I have no problem saying I relate to her nag for aesthetics. Okay. Yes, girl. A hundred percent. And I I I relate to her sense of ambition. Yeah. So I I'll I'll say that kind of like you. You related to. I mean, it's a universal thing uh, to want the best for yourself. Yeah. To you want to advance, you want to move on up, you want to live the best life possible. So I, I related to her sense of ambition, and I I admired her sense of ambition, the yeah. way that she was pushing through. Although all things were coming left, right, she was pushing through. She's like, no, I wanna, I want this type of lifestyle, and I'm gonna go get it at all cost. So appreciated that about her <laughs> you were like i'm done this conversation <laughs> we other than that we have nothing in common i love it i love it um yeah let's talk about peggy mcintosh oh yes that article is great white privilege i really like that article i really love talking about that yeah i think um oftentimes you know we we mention white privilege as, as people of color and you know how they benefit from it but Mm-hmm. Do we not have privileges of our own? As what? As black people? As women? As anything? I mean, you've got you. There's so much you know labels to yourself. So you're black. You're a woman. You're uh, Haitian. You're francophone. You're there's a million right. things. So right. with everyone's you know has a bag of labels. I know a whole bunch of listeners. Like, I don't label myself. I'm I don't conform. Blah, blah blah. We all have labels. Nice try. We'll get into that another podcast anyways. But with the with the backpack of labels yeah. that we all have um yeah. Like where do you find that you have privileges with the different la- I know that there are privileges of being a woman. There's a priv- oh, for privilege. Sure. There's all sorts of privileges. So oh. where would you say you've got some <laughs> let's just start by saying that privileges are shallow in and of itself <laughs> so as women you know you hear a lot about guys getting like i don't know parking tickets like the police stopping them for like i don't know some type of check and they get a fine but when it's a girl they let her go girl where are these police officers because i have got a few tickets you know? <laughs> they, they don't care about me <laughs> i had an experience i wasn't the one driving but i was going it was years ago i wasn't living in toronto we were I, maybe i was like 20 i don't remember but me my best friend and two of our friends who were men we came to toronto my best friend she is crazy okay so when she drives she drives like she's a she is a professional racer. She's driving at like 150. Whoa. And the police stops her and they're like, Are you aware that you're driving at 150 and you could lose this many points and I could take your car? Yeah, and, and she was like, Yes. And then he, like, yes. he was, I, I don't know if it's the fact that he appreciated her being honest, honest. or whatnot, but 
he he let us go. He didn't give her a ticket. He didn't give her. He just gave her a warning, basically. Yeah. And the guys were furious. They were like, "If it had been me, they would have taken <laughs> my car. They would have taken my driver's license. They would have taken everything." But because you're a girl, you got away with it. I thought that was interesting. You know what? You're right. You're you're actually right about that. I just remembered. I do have a story, mm-hmm. um, similar to that, but a little bit more serious. Okay. So. A friend of mine, we had gone out to a, a club or something. Well, actually, it wasn't a club. It was like, kind of like a bar. Um, and we were leaving. And I had a, a hoodie on. And she had had her hair cane rolled back. Mm-hmm. Like, straight cane rolls. Um, and we were, like, really grungy that day. Like, just wearing, like, sweats and whatever. So And it was, it was late at night. So we get in the car and we're driving. And we don't even, like, pull out, like, maybe, like, a block. And whoop, whoop. We're like, okay, here we go with the police. They pull us over, and right, right away, I see both, like, two police officers coming and approaching the car. So mm-hmm. one's going to come. I was in the passenger side. One's going to come on the passenger side, and one's going to go to her side. So we already wind down. our. The windows were already down. So we had the windows down so we could hear them. As they were approaching the car, the police walkied, um, calling for backup, two black males. What? Yeah. They haven't even approached us. They haven't said anything to us. And they were already calling for backup to black males. Wow. So me and her looked at each other like, what? So I take my hood off. Mm-hmm. And they come around and they see that it was two girls. And oh my God. Like you should have seen their faces. It was like they were just shocked. And right away, hey ladies, how are you guys doing? Mm. We're just stopping people to see if you guys are having a drink. Wow. Are you are you guys good? Are you good? And we couldn't. I couldn't even believe it. And the other officer that came around my side when he seen I was a girl, he didn't even he didn't have a conversation. He just turned right back and went right. And he 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 went on the walkie. I think he was like canceling whatever he was about to do. Yeah. And the one in the that was talking to my friend was all happy and yeah, you know, you guys drive wow. safe and and I was like, this is what black men experience. Yeah. You know, black women, you know, we go through a lot of discrimination that way too, but look at that. Mm-hmm. Like, the the crazy thing is, what if we actually were doing something illegal or we had something in the car? You just assume because we were a woman that you should let us go, just like you assume that if we were men, we would be up to no good. Yeah. But that's so funny that you say that because, just to bring it back to the coldest winter, and um, a lot of women, you know, because she ends up in jail. Yeah. A lot of women who go in jail, and if if you watch Orange is the New Black, you'll see oh, that they, they talk about that too. A lot of women who go to jail, it's because they did something for men. 100%. So and the police or the, the justice system doesn't see women as mm, that's, as, that's as harmful yeah. as a man that's or so as dangerous. So it's easier for usually women he's to the do, one behind. Yeah. Like, it's not our mind of our own. It's yeah. Behind, yeah. So that's it's interesting. Point. That's that's. I guess maybe that's part of their rationale. Is oh, that's two so girls. True. Oh, it's fine. Let's cancel. Don't don't dispatch our backup. It's, yeah, it's cool. Like that's true. You know, there's even a show on YouTube that I watch. Um, it's called For Her Man, and it's literally thousands of stories of women that are middle class mothers that have never even gotten in trouble in their life, and they meet this guy, and all of a sudden, they're like a huge felon. That's right. got murders under their belt and stuff like that over this relationship. So, yeah. you're yeah maybe yeah, you're right about that. So I guess you're right. There are privileges of being a woman. And mm-hmm. what about being black? Do you feel like there's privileges to being black? Listen, the only privilege I have as a black person is the melanin. In my body, <laughs> honestly, but even like 
because I know there's this whole movement, melanin, black this, girl magic, black girls are magic, and it's all true. But the pigment that is melanin is truly extraordinary. Yeah. It's actually fascinating that what it does and. Because, okay, so yes, it gives us pigment for our eyes, our hair color. Everybody has melanin in their bodies. Yeah. But scientifically, we absorb light. We do. We absorb energy. Yeah. We absorb sound. And we use that energy to feed us. That's why black people are actually, of all humans, we like vitamin D the most. Mm-hmm. And you know how some... I'll say ignorant people will be like in the summertime, don't go out in the sun, you'll yeah. get dark. Actually, as white people, we need to go out in the sun <laughs> because the sun feeds us that energy yeah. that we need. It gives us that vitamin. Everybody needs vitamin D, but because we have a higher volume of uh, melanin, we need it more. I find that extraordinary. I find that fascinating. It applies to every aspect of our life. <laughs> what other privileges <laughs> do black people have? Um, They're all shot. I'm, I mean, I don't really know, like, Right? I'm sure we can think of... I'm that's sure, what, like, that's there what I'm are saying. some... Like, I think that's, that's it. Can you guys write to us what privileges black people have? That's it. Other than, like, you know, I, rhythm and... My friend, I was talking about this with my friend, she said, well, we can switch up our hair at any given time. We can wear it curly, we can wear it straight. That's what she said. Yeah, but so can white people and so can everybody else. There's so much things you can do to change your hair. That's not... But I think it's it's um, it's um more popular in the black culture to, like, one day have your afro, the next day weave it all the way through <laughs> your ankles. 30 inches. You know what I'm saying? But there's got to be deeper, more I think it's social privileges that Also, it Well, I mean, maybe I'll refer back to the article, and I'll leave the link in um, with the podcast, but it was also saying how... We are, because of the melanin is stronger in our bodies, we are more in tune with nature. We are more in tune with the spiritual world. We are more in tune with our community. But that's, we could go deeper into it, but I will make a whole other episode. But I think it is true of our community and it is true of our spirituality, regardless of your faith. When we, I do believe that when we commit to a belief, we we embrace it wholeheartedly. But that's just that's just not that's not just black people. But yeah. Anyways, I know a privilege of being Jamaican is acting selfish, so I'm I'm satisfied. Yes, and I'm, I'm <laughs> I envy that dish. It's one of my favorite Jamaican dish. I love acting selfish. Uh, but just to wrap up that question, you guys send us your your funny, your shallow, but even deep privileges that you have. Um, whether or not you're black, anything you know, yeah. anything you identify as, let us let us know because I think that that was, it's fun. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. It is. Yeah. So Heather O'Neill. Oh, I love her. I loved, her. I loved Heather. Did you guys love that interview? Because we did. We had so much fun. Um, She's so fun and quirky yeah. and funny. I felt like the interview was really like seamless. Like, mm-hmm. it was really natural, and, yeah. you know, the banter back and forth was really great. She was open to sharing about herself as yeah, well. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. And I hope you guys noticed that we did get that exclusive on her coming out <laughs> with that book in 2019, and we will have her back. So, Mark your calendar. Yeah, stay tuned for that. We're so happy that she she shared that with us. It's awesome that she's reading literature for the Gilbert Brands. Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So cool. what, what kind of takeaways did you have from that interview? Anything you liked in particular? I, you know, 
I love when she was when we were talking about abuse mm -hmm. from one of the characters in the in the Lonely Hearts Hotel. Um, she talks about. She says, "How do we survive abuse?" And she says, "Can you love yourself? Can you love yourself through your broken self?" Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because she was saying how often when someone has gone through abuse, they try to go back to that person they were before that trauma happened. Yeah, and it's and she was saying, "But you're here and you mm -hmm. have that experience and it's part of who you are now. Exactly. So can you love yourself through that that broken self of exactly. yours? You know, can you?" And then she Basically, goes on to it? say, "The greatest act of courage is to love yourself." Yeah. Especially when you've gone through experiences like that, and and I love that. I love that. I I love that. I love that she said that. Yeah, I had a great time. I had a really good time with her. I think, I think that she was really you know honest and fun, mm -hmm. and she had a lot of really good insights. But she was able to take you know really serious topics and themes and make it so relatable yeah. and like easy to hear and easy to digest and easy to understand you know you know sometimes people get a little bit intimidated around writers because words are are their are their magic are their potion are their you know but somehow she was able to just communicate on a level that I felt was so just easygoing and yeah. it really made the interview go by really um nice and and it flowed really well I think yeah. I think one of my takeaways probably was how she talked about motherhood. Mm -hmm. I think and this is this is probably something that we'll we'll elaborate more on um, in another sure. episode, maybe next season. But I think I've always felt that way about motherhood Me and too. and how it's portrayed. Me so too. to hear a mother be so transparent about like, no, this is a nightmare yeah. at times. Like yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. like. And there's this pressure on women to have babies because they make your life better. And I'm sure in aspects <laughs> they do, of course. Don't get me wrong. People love their kids, but there's this pressure on women that if you're having a bad day or if in this moment you're experiencing like postpartum or anything like that, it's yeah. like you're shunned from the motherhood community. You're a bad mom and that happens a lot. And I've been lucky enough to have friends that have kids that are very transparent. Okay. They'll call me and be like, girl, this sucks right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't have kids. Like, and I and I love that kind of transparency opposed to other women that are like it's almost like they're forcing women that don't have kids to have kids because if you feel like misery almost likes company. Yeah. It's like this weird, like, why do you care so much mm -hmm. about if I want kids or don't want kids? And yeah. so to hear it from a mother to really say, I don't advise anyone to have a kid at 20, it was hard. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be honest. I was just like girl yes yeah. for the transparency yeah. and not the it was fantastic time in my life i got mm -hmm. this little baby that was she was like she was a demon following me <laughs> around i was like i always felt that's what they were too <laughs> like, so no i, I related that. to that yeah. too i to be if i'm completely honest i'm not sure that i want children okay in a way i'm i'm an extreme person if i want kids i want four of them I want them to fill my house. I want them to run around and be as loud as possible. I want to give them all the love I have inside. Of course. But if I cannot have that, I don't want none of them. Mm -hmm. I don't want no kids. I'm, I'm, an, I don't, I, I'm not the type of person that will say, I want two kids. I don't. I want four or nothing at all. But I've, I've, when I tell friends this, especially men, I've had someone say to me, you're a monster. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Excuse me? Yeah. Why? You don't want to you don't want to be a mother? You don't like children? Did I say I didn't like children? Exactly. I, I didn't say I didn't like children. I said 
I'm okay if I don't have children. I didn't say I can't stand them. I didn't say I hated them. But there's this misconception that if a woman doesn't have children, she's not a woman. Yeah. It's or, almost like, what else are you supposed to do with yeah, your life? Yeah. We're only here to breed. Exactly. You know? And so I, I do, I appreciate when she said that. And I appreciate all mothers who are transparent about the mm-hmm. struggles. Because it is, you know, if I ask my mom or if I ask, the women in my family, they'll tell me it is the greatest thing in the world of to course. be a woman. Mm-hmm. There's no, for some of them, they feel like there's no higher blessing. But you have to acknowledge as well that it comes with a lot of shru- struggle. And actually, the struggle can make it more gratifying. Yes. Because it makes you appreciate your kids yeah. so much more. It makes you appreciate motherhood so much more. Um, but it, you adoring your kids and sacrificing for them and doing everything in your power to love them doesn't take away from the fact that sometimes it's hard but you push through out of love exactly you know so yeah i did appreciate her saying that it's very challenging at times you know and it's not for everybody it's not it's not for everybody and you shouldn't shame someone just because they say you know what it's not for me exactly i completely agree and their choice girl one day we gotta have a real conversation about that about motherhood yes (laughs) about motherhood and the this whole idea that biological clock this that yes oh, oh lord the pressures there's so much pressure but it, you know what she also said that at the end she was yeah. like do whatever you want yeah there's so much pressure when you're in your 20s and your 30s but when you get to 40 you're like what it's true because that because she was saying at 40 people already peg you as a lost cause yeah so they're done like, trying to harass you they're on to the next young thing and it's like no leave me alone too yeah <laughs> I would say overall it was a really good season. I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to have more guests on. Yes. We have a lot of stuff in store. We we won't go into it. We're very excited yeah, about what's coming excited. up. Yeah, you guys gotta stay tuned and we won't we won't be away from you too long. Mm-hmm. We're coming back We're soon. Coming back soon. This is our first season and you know one of one of the things that I definitely am taking away from this experience is it is challenging to talk. Yeah. Which I know people listening to it that know me, they're like, girl, bye. It's challenging to talk. Mm. I wish it was challenging to talk when you had that two-hour conversation with me. I get it, guys. But it's different. Like, because you're so, like, oh, you're aware of what you're saying. So a lot of times I'm like, oh, my God, did I mess up on that word? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I probably say, hmm, ha, young. When you like, hear yourself <laughs> back, at first, yeah. remember the first episode? I was like, I can't do this. I can't. I can't listen to my voice. This is horrible. I can't. I can't continue. But... No, it was a beautiful experience. Yeah, it was. We learned so learned much. So much went into prepping, um, editing. I finally learned how to edit. It was it was it was a beautiful, <laughs> rich experience. It was. We both grew from it and I'm really happy that we completed one season. I know, I'm so proud of us. And it only means that the second season can only be much more exciting, exactly. much more fun, and we'll have so much more to offer. And way more interactive. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you guys but for wait, joining us. Oh. wait. We're going to leave you on a good note. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Girl, you're surprising me. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, although we, we're taking a short break, I still want to share with you guys some good book suggestions yes, over right. the summer. With some material, some homework. Yes. No, doesn't have to feel like I'm playing, guys. So, actually, one of them is one that we actually discussed in the first episode. I, I'm going back to Freshwater. I was thinking yeah. about... The my favorite books over the this year maybe over a little bit over last year, um. So one of them was definitely Freshwater. It definitely left a really a good book. 
good impact on me. I love the writing. I love the story. Easy to read. Beautiful writing. Style of writing. So I definitely recommend that you check it out. And if you... After you read it, listen back to our first episode. Maybe yeah. you'll find more connections to, to the book. Another one that I suggest is called The Knicks by Nathan Hill. It's a thick book, <laughs> but you won't stop laughing. If you're looking well, for a book to make you laugh, I was laughing out loud when I was commuting. People were giving me looks like, are you okay? But I didn't care. The book is amazing. Um, if I could talk about it briefly suck at description <laughs> but it's basically this guy who grew up without his mother and uh, motherless children motherless children and he goes on a hunt to find her and when he goes as he as he's closer to finding her he's finding out finding out new details about her life that and she's had a quite rich life as well and um they start to connect the dots but even him as an individual he's hilarious and the pe his entourage and the people that the um, the supporting cast in this book are to die for so if you're looking for a summer beach read that's easy to read that will take your mind away definitely read the next by nathan hill awesome yeah well those are some good takeaways i hope you guys enjoy those books or read any of the other books that we reviewed and even the articles mm -hmm. we reviewed articles yeah. and yeah so other journals academic journals whatever it is that you're reading we want to know about it yeah. so again if we haven't said it enough you guys email us dm us let us know your thoughts ask us questions put yeah. us in the hot seat yes you know we, we want all of that and we'll Hopefully for the next season, as we get, you know, more people messaging us, we can actually come on and talk about, you know, the different um, questions they may have mm -hmm. for us and all that other, all that good stuff. Yeah. We really appreciate you guys joining us. Yes. Thank you so much for season one. Cass, it was a blast. I yes. can't wait for season two. Me too. We'll Bye. see you soon. <laughs> Bye.